Welcome to a special 58th New York Film Festival edition of the Film at Lincoln Center podcast. Today, NYFF Director of Programming Dennis Lim is joined by director Spike Lee and musician David Byrne to discuss American Utopia, Lee's film of Byrne's acclaimed Broadway show. American Utopia is an exhilarating record of a seismic theater event, as well as a momentous work of cinema in its own right. Both joyous and politically engaged, it's a reckoning of these dark times through music and togetherness, with a galvanizing rendition of Janelle Monae's Hell You Talbot that's destined to be one of the year's most talked about screen moments. Let's go to the conversation now. Thank you for listening to the Film at Lincoln Center podcast. Make sure you don't miss a thing by subscribing to the Film at Lincoln Center newsletter featuring weekly programming updates, new podcast episodes, special offers, and much more. Visit filmlink.org news. Welcome to our Q&A for American Utopia. Uh, I'm thrilled to be joined by David Byrne. Uh, the star of the film, and Spike Lee, the director of the film. Uh, thank you both for joining us. Thank you. Um, so I'm just going to ask you about your, start by asking you about your history with one another. I mean, you, you mentioned um, in the introduction that you'd crossed paths over the years. Had you, and I think, David, you might have popped up in a documentary that, that Spike directed um, a few years ago. I'm wondering if you ever really talked about a collaboration to this degree um, before this. No, we never talked about it before. And yeah, so I was in the Michael Jackson documentary. Uh, Spike was working on a documentary about Brazil that I was part of, but that sadly has not yet come to pass. One day, uh, one day. One, one day, yes. The footage that I saw is amazing. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, we, there's a lot of mutual friends in that film and a lot of uh, really uh, insightful kind of filmmaking as well. Um, I'm going to leave it at that. Anyway, we, <laughs> yes, we have Let's leave that. it at that. <laughs> leave that, right, you can imagine what that is. So, uh, <laughs> yes, uh, we'd cross paths, we'd kind of done that, but this was, just seemed like the obvious thing. It just seemed like, okay, okay, this is, this has got to be a film, and I got to ask Mike if he wants to see this and see what he thinks. David called me, told me about the show. I not heard, I, I not heard of David touring with the album. So this is the first time that I got hip to it. They were like Broadway shows tradition. You don't go straight to Broadway. You go out of town and work on it. So Dave was in Boston, and I said, uh, "I'll come. I like to see it twice." So Saturdays you have a, the the matinee evening show. Took the shuttle up to a. No, I think I took the train. I took the train up because I like a seller and uh, saw the matinee show and the evening show. And, and the first number, I knew right before when, when I saw the stage and the, the steel curtains and David's on the stage sitting at a table holding a plastic brain. <laughs> I knew right then and there I was in. And so, David, I, did I tell you I wanted to do the show between the breaks of the Madden evening or after the evening show? I don't remember. 
I thought it was after the evening show. I thought it was after the second show. That, that okay. you came, I seem to recall you came by my dressing room and just, just said, I want to do this. Mm-hmm. I thought, all right, all right, all right. Let's put the pieces together if we can. Yeah. So, David, why, why was Spike the director for this? Um, and I'm wondering, if, were you thinking of a film from the beginning? Because I know you had the American Utopia album and then you had the Broadway show. Was the idea always to do a film? And, and why did you think Spike was right for this? It wasn't, from the very beginning, it wasn't always a film. From the very beginning, it wasn't always a Broadway show. Uh, at first it was a concert. And then as soon as I started doing the concert, this was like a year before the Broadway show at least, uh, I, got, I got wind that some Broadway producers had seen my kind of warm-up shows, I think like Red Bank, New Jersey or someplace, and, and they said, you got to bring that to Broadway. That's, that's going to work on Broadway. Of course, this was after, say, the Springsteen show had, had a sold-out run, so I think Broadway producers were thinking, oh, you know, pop music can, make, can work on Broadway, or those audiences are going to come. There might have been a little bit of that, but of course, this is, this is not exactly that. Um, so I, kinda, I reworked it. When I, so I thought, okay, can we do this on Broadway? I reworked it. I brought out what I perceived as being the narrative. We kind of, there's more attention paid to the kind of the greater, the, the greater world, the issues, the world we're living in at the moment. And uh, I brought out more of that. And partly because of that, because this, this show does deal with the world we're living in at the minute. I thought Spike's going to get that. I mean, you know, it's, it's like, it's like, that's the water. Spike swims in. Yeah, so I thought that's going to be like, of course he's going to get this, but you, but you never know. You never know. Yeah. <laughs> so Spike, it sounds like you decided right away that you wanted to do it. Like, What, what was your response to the show? Here's the thing. I've always have dug David Byrne, the talking heads. I mean, he's just, I mean, he's a beautiful cat. As you say, and you know, the vibe is his his whole essence. So it was not, I didn't have to think, like I said before, you know, all jokes aside, I had to do like this. <laughs> I knew right away that this, to use a, a, a sports jargon terminology, it was in my wheelhouse. Yeah. <laughs> this is a big, Again, sports, a big, fat, juicy one right down the middle of the plate. And I knew I could knock out a park because it was great already. I want, to, I, want, I want to really emphasize this. Forget about me. It was great from the beginning. So my job, and all i got to give crazy credit to Ellen Curis. Secret Weapon has shot me and my films together, Ellen and I, and with the Adam, excuse me, with the editor, Adam Goo, we had to get out of the way, but use our directorial, photographic and editing skills to make it cinematic. And, and I wanna, and I say this very respectfully, our approach was we cannot just record it. Mm-hmm. 
anybody could just take 20 cameras, stick them anywhere, and then, all right, we have these 20 angles, and we'll put it all together in the editing room. Nah, son. (laughs) (laughs) Ellen and I came to see the show numerous times. At least seven times. At least seven times. We would sit together and with lights on our uh, paper, trying not to distract the people paid a lot of money for their tickets. And so we had to whisper and we were, some people were like, they weren't having it, but we were like, can't worry about that. We had to study the show and see where could we put the camera to help tell the narrative. That's all it was. We had to know the show inside and out, the choreography, the songs, the lighting, the mood. Ellen and I had to take all that into consideration to do the job we had to do. And, and uh, you know, is we, because again, the work was there. We just had to understand it and use our skills to make it cinematic. For people who haven't seen the film yet, uh, it's, it'll make sense what, what Spike's saying because we're, we're in constant motion. The band, singers, me, we're moving all around the stage, upstage, downstairs, left, right, splitting into groups and everything. So it's not like you can go like, oh, well, David's going to be in the middle the whole time. Sometime I'm way in the back. Uh, so when when... Spike is saying that yeah, he and Ellen are kind of studying all this. Yeah, there's there's a a lot of motion and kind of every song has a different kind of setup. Uh, yeah, it's not like well, here's the singer and there's the band and there you go. This is yeah, this is a very different thing. Yeah, actually, David, can you talk a bit about just conceptualizing the show in that way? I mean, it's it's. Um, I think you're right that there's a lot of motion, but I think that's also enabled by like just the the sparseness of the stage, which is very striking, um, and just the freedom of movement that you and your collaborators have. Um, and can you talk a little bit about just visually what what you know how that came together for you? Um, okay. Yes, I, I I wondered if it was possible to have everybody in the band uh, mobile from the begin from the beginning of this concept. Uh, I knew you could have brass players mobile. That happens all the time. But I thought, okay, can we do it with drummers? And I thought, well, yeah, you have you can do it, but you now you need six drummers instead of one guy on a kit. You have to split those responsibilities among six people. And you can do it. You hear it in New Orleans. You hear it in Brazil. They do that all the time. Uh, so, and I thought, how about the others? Can we do that? And then, then what we can do? Okay, so now everybody's... Everybody's mobile. Everybody's kind of got radio mics on and all that. Uh, that means we don't have to have anything on stage. That means we, we don't have to have risers. We don't have to have drum kits, guitar amplifiers, none of that stuff. It all clear it all out. 
So now it's like a, well, it's like a sports field. It's like a, a dance concert, it's whatever. So we are free, we're liberated. We can move wherever we want. Um, it's a kind of, it's an open space now for us to, and, and the audience, they're not looking at stuff. They're looking at us. So it's, it's, it's us, just human beings holding our instruments and the audience looking at us. Uh, the only thing I could maybe compare it to is like a stand-up comedy, but that's usually just one person. But this is, yeah, so it has a very different feeling. Yeah. And, that, and that's what I, I dug about it, you know. It, it was it's constant moving. And so when Ellen and I are looking at this, we're like, where are we going to put the camera to capture it? But the camera moves quite a bit too, right? I mean, that's that's one very striking thing about about the film. It's not just about having multiple camera angles and positions, but the way the camera, the movement of the camera interacts with the movements of the musicians is wonderful. Yeah, and, and, and that's something that any great musical you yeah. you, you watch, you know, the the cameras aren't, for the most part, stationary. Yeah, you know, they're 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 dancing too. Yeah, now you have some great Busby Berkeley overhead uh, moments yeah. as well. <laughs> when, when I, the, here's the thing, though. In Boston, the first show, I sat on the lower level. The second show, I sat in the first row in the mezzanine. Because when you're sitting low, you really can't see the patterns. But the second show, I was all the stuff they were doing. I said right away, I automatically, I thought of Busby Berkeley. We got to get a camera shooting directly yeah. overhead to get all these patterns and stuff that 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 we're seeing yeah david can i ask you a question of course of course talk talk tell us about a great choreographer oh choreographer <laughs> we worked with is annie b parsons and uh she lives here she lives in brooklyn uh i've worked with her on quite a number of shows um all of them a little bit different. She works really well with, let's say, trained dancers and musicians who are not trained dancers but are willing to move. She'll say, let me see what you can do. Can you do this? And then she'll push them a little harder. So let me see if you can do this. And uh, so she and I work together really closely on this. And it, yeah, it's, I mean, the whole thing, as Spike said, we're in motion the whole time. So it, this is like, this is like her world, just putting people in space, putting them on a stage and moving them around. And let's see what it means. If you move them over there, what does that feel like? When they do this, what does that say to you? I, I know it says things to me when people, when like there's a part where I'm on one side of the stage and the entire band is on the other side and they're kind of looming at me kind of leaning over at me and, and, and like, like this threatening thing, like, come on, come closer. And, and you know, David, it's not, it's... David, do that. Let me say that move again. You want to say that move again? <laughs> yes. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? There, uh, it's not just movement. There's emotion in it. Mm -hmm. Oh, hold on. So what's the difference between motion and, and, and movement, my brother? <laughs> educate, educate me. Yes, I don't know. I don't know. 
<laughs> and when do you call it dancing? I don't know. <laughs> I wanted to ask you both to talk about this, uh, I think, a, a, a moment in the film that's certainly going to be, I think, one of the most talked about of the year, which is your uh, the Janelle Monet cover, um, Hell You Talking About, and also how that is rendered cinematically in the film. I mean, the, that song is already five years old now. And I think when you performed it, you know, David, it was four years old and you already had to update it. And then for the film version, I mean, I think it's- You had to update it again. Yeah, it's incredible. It's, yeah. And we so had to update it after we finished shooting. I mean, yeah. Um, <clears throat> so can, maybe, can you talk a little, maybe David first, like this, the idea to, to, to include that song and then Spike, how you wanted to, to render that for, for the screen. When I started putting the show together, I, I, I thought, well, it was first the concert show, and I thought, in this day and age, we have to, as citizens, we have to respond to what's going on in the world around us. We, we want to be entertaining. We want everybody to have a great time, but we also want to acknowledge what's going on in the world. And we kind of have a duty to do that now. Uh, and that just carried, carried through. And I, I'd heard Janelle Monáe's song, and I asked her what she thought of, yes, was a white man of a certain age doing that song. Um, she loved the idea. So I thought, okay, we're going for this. And then we, as I was mentioned, we kept, we had to keep, sadly, had to keep up, updating it year, yeah, year after year, month after month, we had to keep updating it. And then when I started working with Spike, uh, started saying, uh, uh, I'm going to reach out to some of the families, family members, uh, the husbands, wives, mothers. Um, we're going to start reaching out to them. And so the song was already and and a very moving a kind of emotional kind of climax to the show in some ways. Um, it really hits pretty hard, but by that point, the audience is kind of fully engaged. And what I have to say, what Spike did takes it to another level. It, it kind of takes it to another level. It's sometimes very hard for me to keep it together watching that song. The song. The chorus is, you know, you say their name. And I'm also a documentary filmmaker. So right away, I thought, you know, if we can, let's get big photographs of the names of being called. And top of that, maybe we could reach out to a member of the family to hold that photograph up. And I know both of you touched, about, touched on this before, but it, it is heartbreaking that we had to keep adding names. Earlier, Dave and I talked about, you know, how I had, Ellen and I had seen the shows seven times Forget Boston, but in New York on Broadway, I, Ellen and I came back 
at least seven times. I can't remember the exact number. And after every show, I would go backstage, you know, just to say hello to David. And then sometimes I'll say, David, you know what? We gotta add another name. Another show, David, gotta add another name. And then after we finish shooting in post-production, George Floyd, you know, you know, we had to add Miss Taylor, Brianna, you know, we had to add names in post-production. And there more names since we we locked the film. I I think that's that's maybe the most obvious way in which the film is um, sort of intersects with our the moment we're in, but um, you've both talked about this really being a piece that speaks to um, the present day. Uh, and I'm wondering if you can say a bit about, you know, this, I know there's a big voter registration um, initiative that's tied to the, the release and voting is something that you touched on in, in the performance, uh, David. Um, and I'm wondering how you, yeah, if you can say a little bit about the importance of, of that, that aspect of the film, the film as a work of, of civic engagement, as a work of political engagement, you know, and, and um, especially uh, as we are literally weeks from an election. Uh, there are parts in the film where I can talk to the audience and, and I respond to how they, how they respond to what I'm saying. And there's a part where I talk about uh, voter turnout. And I demonstrate to the audience what the voter turnout is for local elections. It's, it, can, it can average around 20%. So I show the audience visually, this is what 20% looks like. And this is what it means. What, what this means is that you are seeding your voice in your future and your children's future. You're seeding it and you're giving it to these 20%. These 20%. You're letting them determine what your future will be and the future of your children. Is that really what you want to do? Really? Is that really how you feel? You just you go, okay, you go ahead. You decide how my life is going to be, how things are going to be. I give up. I don't think that's really what we feel. So I, I don't believe that. Uh, so I, I kind of want to remind people, no, we, we, can, we do. There's voter suppression. It's a serious thing in this country. But we still can vote, uh, and and we have to do it if we can. And the piggyback on what David has said, right now, when on where I feel we're uncharted territory. This guy, Agent Orange, is trying. He's not trying. He's doing some shenanigans, skullduggery, subterfuge. By all by trying to incite his base that if he loses, it's bogus. Like no matter what, if he loses, it's bogus and he ain't leaving. So I don't know. I mean, is the government or the generals gonna drag his ass out? I don't know. But this is this we're on the verge of civil war and 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 I'm not, I don't, I'm not 
I believe that. I'm not trying to, you know, hype this up, you know, make this. No, no, I really believe that in my heart that, that we're on the verge of some, I mean, we weren't around for Abraham Lincoln. So, I'm, you know, so I'm talking about right now, this is unprecedented, you know, this is like virgin territory for me. Yeah. We, we should remind folks that the voter registration deadline in New York is October 9th. So there is there's still time um, to register and vote. Um, I guess maybe I'll just end by this is, you know, this is a moment as, as you from your both your answers is it is a it's a difficult moment. It's one that I think a lot of people are facing, you know, with despair or anxiety. Um, but I think what's American Utopia does, as the title suggests, is like it sort of confronts it with this idea of, you know, togetherness and some optimism, some hope. Uh, so, you know, I'm wondering if you can talk about that. Like, is, was that, is, is that what you think <laughs> the moment needs, you know, and, and is that what, um, was that part of the project from the beginning for you, for you, David, you know, to, 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 to call this thing American utopia, even as the country seems to be in many ways in a, in a very dark place. Yeah. It's kind of a, uh, I thought, well, boy, I'm going to call the album. I'm going to call the show that it's kind of a bold move, but I thought, no, this is, this is what this is about. This is what this is about. And, uh, you know, they, like they say in the theater or on films, show, don't tell. I'm going to show you that how great this feels to be together. How wonderful this can be. I'm going to show it to you. I don't have to tell you. I'm not going to give you a lecture about it. You're going to feel it. And I think that's what we do. Yeah. Spike. Ditto. <laughs> and, and, and then like uh all jokes aside even you know and on what i said before we're in a pandemic so this is like a, a cluster f u asterisk <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's bananas. I mean, and then I and then and then David, maybe you could speak in this, uh, speak on this. There is my belief. They're going to be some of the best great art, music, plays, movies, theater, sculptures that come out of this this time we live in. Artists are really, I feel. We're gonna take the lead and people go back 100 years from now and look at, look at the art that comes out of this. And that's gonna tell the story. What do you think? I agree. I agree. I think it's obviously because of we're all isolated, we can't see it now. But I think it's a moment where people are, they're, they're thinking we don't have, to, things don't have to be the way they were. Mm -hmm. They can be different. And we can represent that in, in our work. And uh, I, yes, I think that's what's going to happen. It's kind of like, no, we can open up our thinking. Yeah. 
Well, I think we could all use any sliver of optimism that we can get. So that's probably a good place to end. Um, I I'll want to take where I can get it now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Thank you both for this incredible film. Uh, very much needed uh, today, I think. Um, and uh, yeah, thank you for all you're doing, Spike and David. I'd like thank to you. thank the New York Film Festival for uh, getting us in. <laughs> yes, thank you for inviting us. It's a huge really honor great. and huge honor and privilege. Thank you guys. Thank, thank you. Thank you. Bye.